Dear Lord, as we study your, your word written through the prophet Isaiah, inspired by your Holy Spirit, would you teach us this morning and inspire us to apply it to our own lives? Amen. So if, um, for whatever reason, you weren't here uh, last week, uh, in particular if you're visiting us uh, this morning, we're in the second uh, week in our autumn sermon series in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And Carol's just read uh, the opening half of the opening chapter from Isaiah 1. Last week, Carl introduced um, Isaiah the man, the prophet uh, himself, uh, looking at his calling from God in uh, chapter 6. And this morning, I just want to spend a few minutes uh, encouraging us to think about uh, the problem which Isaiah is seeking to address, looking at these first few verses of the book. Uh, as we've just heard Carol read, Isaiah is writing about the human condition, and in particular about our attitude towards God. He was writing in the 8th century uh, BC, but over these coming weeks I think we will readily see that what he spoke and wrote then can equally be found in and applied to our own selves and our society today. So this morning we're looking at Isaiah and the problem, uh, but we will conclude by hinting at at least God's solution to that problem. So in chapter 1 we're in the introduction to the book. What is it, do you think, that makes a good introduction? Um, I'm not an author. I know a couple of people who claim to have been, and one of them says very distinctly that the hardest part for her of the book she wrote was the opening paragraph, and the hardest part of the opening paragraph was the opening couple of sentences, and actually when she finished the book, she went back and she rewrote the introduction in the light of what she had just written. Um, at St. Louis, Missouri University in the US, there's something called, uh, as only the Americans do, the Center for Writing. And this is what they say about good introductions. The opening paragraph is your first chance to make a good impression. Grab your reader's interest and make them want to keep reading. A thoughtful, imaginative introduction will persuade your readers that you and your ideas are worthy of their time and attention. A poorly written or boring introduction, on the other hand, will create a bad impression and will make readers wonder why they should bother spending time in your company. Here are... I think, some great book introductions. I don't know if any of you recognize any of them. I suspect a number of you will get this one. It's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice. It was the best of times 
It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Anybody? Charles Dickens, Tale of Two Cities. Uh, my personal favourite. Mr and Mrs Brown first met Paddington on a railway platform. In fact, that was how he came to have such an unusual name for a bear. What about Isaiah's introduction? You get the feeling he skipped that class at Missouri University. <laughs> Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, the Lord has spoken. Children I reared and brought up, but they've rebelled against me. Even the ox knows its owner and the donker its master's crib. But you, Israel, do not know and do not understand. What is it then that the prophet is actually saying in these verses? In this short section, I think Isaiah says... Two things about God and two things about the people. First of all, he says that God has spoken. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. God, says Isaiah, has interrupted human history with his words. The prophet is not writing his own words, but rather what God has spoken. Hence, we should sit up and take notice. But then about the people, Isaiah is saying that people have rebelled against God. The main thing that God has to say is that the people have rebelled. This is the great problem of the early chapters of Isaiah, our human rebellion. It comes through our sinful nature, it comes through our wrong actions, our wrong thinking, our wrong speaking. Very often our deliberate wrong actions. And perhaps most of all, it comes through our forgetfulness of God and of his ways. God has spoken, the people have rebelled, but then thirdly, God is the Holy One of Israel. A number of you will know that God is given a number of different names through the pages of the Bible. And this one is a particular favourite of Isaiah. He uses it uh, 25 different times in his book. And he calls God the Holy One of Israel. Holy One evokes a God who is set apart, who is other than, who is lofty, who is incomparable, who is righteous. God has spoken, the people have rebelled, 
but they have rebelled against the Holy One. And hence, fourthly, Isaiah says, the people are estranged from God. Because of their rebellion, men and women who were made for relationship with God now do not, and indeed cannot, be right with God by their own means. That was true in Israel in 740 BC. And I think if we're honest, we recognize it is equally true in Sussex in 2017. This is the problem of Isaiah. Our rebellion, our forgetfulness of the Holy One and its consequences. This is the theme that we will be exploring together uh, over the next few weeks. Now, we could leave it there this morning. And that is kind of as far as Isaiah 1 goes. But um, like most naughty little boys, once I'd read the introduction, the next thing I wanted to do, of course, was to skip to the back page uh, and find out how the book ends. And so let's kind of do the equivalent of naughty boys uh, reading books this morning and just have a peek at how Isaiah ends. If the introduction is all about the human problem, what would make for a good ending? We've already noted that the problem is beyond us. People estranged from God can't find their own way back to God, can't rid themselves of that rebellion and that forgetfulness. Now, the solution, the only solution, has to be God's solution. And that is God making his way back to us. As we look forward, as we go through these uh, next uh, 11 weeks in Isaiah, as we look forward towards the end, Isaiah says in the Old Testament that God does that as we get to the later chapters through a uh, character which he calls the servant of the Lord or the suffering servant. Many of you will have come across that in Easter church readings. In the Gospels, we discover that that same person is Jesus Christ, born in Nazareth, sent to a wooden Roman cross to die on our behalf. People who have rebelled against God, who find themselves estranged from God, can come to be right with God, the good news of the Christian gospel, because God himself came down to meet them in the person of Jesus Christ. And if we were sneaky and we headed to the back pages of Isaiah, we would find that truth written all through the prophet 
and like all naughty boys, we can now head back over the next few weeks into the early chapters, knowing that it's a safe book to read under the bed covers because of where it ends. Let's keep a moment of quiet to consider before the Holy One of Israel our position in front of him this morning. <laughs>